Hello, Shirley? Yes, this is Shirley. Is this Sammy? This is Sammy. It's a very ex- existential way to start the conversation. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Yo, welcome, welcome, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy Yunan. You know me, you know, gnomes. You know me. Those weird garden statues that no doubt come to life at night. 100% they come to life at night. (laughs) All right. This episode isn't about my issues, although that one's not an issue. That's real life. Anyways, it's focused on comedian Shirley Gnome. Hence gnomes. She's known for making humorous songs. If you've seen Adam Sandler's 100% Fresh, which is fantastic, it's highly recommended. Or if you know hits from The Lonely Island, classics such as Dick in the Box or I'm on a Boat. That's what Shirley does. Catchy songs with wonderfully filthy lyrics that get stuck in your head. Decoxification is the LP. Quantity Time is the EP. And it's Quantity Time that prompted for the first time I've ever asked a guest, what is a sentient dildo? Yeah, almost 200 episodes of My Summer Lair, <laughs> and I've never felt the need to ask a guest about that or what that is until now. So yeah, you can tell this is going to be a fun and special episode. And you as a listener, if you want to know what a sentient dildo is... Well then, by all means, keep listening, and in time, your ignorance will dissipate, just as mine did. Alright, so here's my conversation with Shirley Gnome. How about in Toronto? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I think today they're lifting some lockdown measures and stuff, so I think we're going to be a little bit more free. I think we have Oh, to that's start- good. Yeah, we'll have to wear pants next week. Oh, uh, pants time begins. Pants time begins. I wish it would just say it like that. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> prepare your society pants. Yeah, basically. You know what I mean? Like, is this a pants yeah. week or not a pants week? I'm like, no, everything's still closed. <laughs> all right, no pants. All right. And then yeah. just roll over and go back to bed. Like, there's nothing I can do. I'm not a doctor, right, or anything. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know we were kind of talking about this a little bit, but like, are these current times funny? Because we've gone through a couple of different phases of lockdown. We've gone through a couple of different emotions. Are you finding these times funny? Um, yeah, it's interesting how you say there's been different phases of it. Because um, like the first week of the pandemic, I wrote a song about the sort of current, that at that point, the current feeling in the air, which when I listen back to now, almost feels completely irrelevant, even though it was a year ago, because we've all kind of gone on this roller coaster of of the experiences of it in particular to Canada or North America. Mm -hmm. So now in this moment, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, I think adds a bit of levity to things um, that the vaccinations are starting. Uh, I think that, I think there's always humor to be found, you know, and in particular when things are dark, I think there's humor to be found to break it up a little bit so yeah I, I i can still find the humor and i can't find it all the time <laughs> not mm-hmm. at every single moment of For every sure. single day but it's there is it a challenge or do you look at it as a challenge in terms of like material that's dated like you said you just wrote a song a little while ago and now that feels dated 
And you know, sometimes with like comics who do like say political stuff, right? They're like, what's the deal with President Nixon, right? Like it sounds so weird and like audiences today can't relate to it, obviously, right? So Exactly. Do you worry about like being quote unquote dated, even though I know you're just only writing about like a few months ago, but it does feel like years ago. It does. Time is very strange this year. Um, I thought about that a lot. I just finished and released an EP about songs or about uh, with songs about the pandemic and about particularly how it, it was, how what it, its impact was on dating, sex, relationships, and and I, you know, it, it basically knowing that this was going to go on for a long time, I thought, well, do I wait until things go quote unquote back to normal and then start writing those songs? Or do I really lean into the idea that comedy is not evergreen and that we need to laugh now in this moment because that's really where we are right now and, and that matters, you know? So I just was like, I'm going to go fully into the idea that this is going to be dated and hopefully no one's going to like listen to this, you know, because we'll be p- past it and beyond it in a, in a better circumstance. But for the meantime, in the now, uh, it's worth writing a comedy uh, so that we can, in this moment, have some relief. Yeah, and is that partly what inspired some of your current TikToks? Like, you just made a song about the eggplant emoji, right? So, <laughs> is it also been kind of like that sense of relief is part of what's fueling your TikToks? You know, the TikToks, in some ways, I think are more... Uh, well, I mean, it was it's all a bit of a big experiment, to be honest. I didn't... A lot of people told me I should try it and that I would do well... And so I originally just posted um, clips from live shows where, uh, you know, from like 2019 and a couple years previous to that, where we were audiences, you know, close to each other, inhaling each other's droplets, having a good time. Um, and those were the clips that were doing really well. Uh, and since I've built a bit of an audience there, now what I'm doing is making little videos to sort of illustrate songs that I've released to hopefully get some of that audience to go to those songs. So Eggplant Emoji is actually from an album I wrote in the summer of 2019. So it's it's not really necessarily about the pandemic. It's but in a sense being uh <laughs> being underwhelmed by uh male efforts to have sex with you is is an evergreen story. <laughs> so yeah. why not lean into that too? Right. It you can't always blame the virus, right? Eventually you have to look inward. Exactly. Maybe it's not the pandemic. Maybe you're just trash. Ooh, that wasn't my takeaway, but okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a segue. But do you find it then as it like as a substitute for performing live? Because I'm assuming you haven't. I don't know what the situation has been like throughout the last year over BC, but I'm assuming the comedy clubs have been closed for most of it, if not all of it. So yeah, I don't. I don't typically do a lot in the comedy clubs, to be honest. I do the occasional one-off, or did do the occasional one-off here and there, so that didn't affect me as much. I did one show with the debaters on CBC mm-hmm. and live in front of an audience. They, it was just in this one little sweet pocket of time where things had opened up to the point where you could have an audience of 50 people. And that, that was like that for a couple of months out here. So that was the, the one of the gigs I actually felt the most comfortable doing because um, it was just so safe. They were taking every precaution. So I felt confident and comfortable to, to try it. So that was wonderful. I'd never done a debaters either, so it was a completely new experience on multiple levels, which was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, uh, having an audience 
whose faces are co- are covered was strange, and you know, it, it was. Uh, I'm glad that I got that one in. Um, but that's it in the year. That's been the only live show. <laughs> so, done. is TikTok a good substitute for that, where you can still kind of be creative and kind of connect with an audience, even though you necessarily can't see or hear the audience? Yeah, it's different. But I, you know, it's maybe a little bit sad, a little bit awesome, but I've connected with more people on TikTok and found more fans on TikTok and through Instagram with people reposting my TikToks than I did when I was constantly touring and performing live in front of people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a, a kind of a revelation, and, and it's not a replacement or a substitute for the experience of being in a, 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 you know, with a bunch of people and creating something in that moment that never gets repeated. But it also is really cool that there is a way for me to get my pretty niche uh, weird kind of music uh, to people who will enjoy it. And, uh, and since people are oftentimes, you know, in ho- at home with, uh, without their pants on, watching stuff on TV, trying to, to reclaim some joy, uh, it's, a, it's, been a, a, it's been cool to produce content and be creative, especially when people need it as badly as they do right now. Well, TikTok is the present, but I want to go back to the past. How did a pile of free bourbon basically uh, spark your comedy career? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I started, I mean, I was encouraged by other people, I guess. You know, I was like a a bunny chasing a carrot and, and, (laughs) and and I had a friend who wanted me to perform at a burlesque show. And that was my very first show. I I performed between burlesque acts and that was a really supportive environment. So that was really a nice way to kind of get my chops. And somewhere in there I ventured out and I did try a comedy night and open my comedy night. And I had completely forgotten about this until I guess the pandemic when I was really looking inward (laughs) But I had gone there, uh, and it was a terrible experience. Uh, the guy who ran the show was the only lovely person, I will say that. But the actual comics were so ostracizing towards me that I was like, well, fuck this. I'm not this, – this scene sucks, you know. And, like, half your life is the hang, right? So I'm like, I'm not going to go hang out with the strippers again. They're way nicer people. <laughs> because of your music or because of you as a girl? Or what was the, what was the offending issue? Uh, you know, I don't know because they literally wouldn't make eye contact with me. So okay. I couldn't even start a conversation. It was okay. just like, you're not welcome here. It was a, a vibe, you know? It was okay. like I couldn't <laughs> couldn't make friends, couldn't. Yeah. Like it was just uh, it was so, like not being allowed to sit down. To have, like I just didn't have lunch by myself, you know, <laughs> in high school or something. Yeah. It was Eating like fish sticks all by yourself. Exactly. Okay. So I was like, well, I don't like this. So then the bourbon thing. So it took bourbon to kind of convinced me to try a comedy night again because I love bourbon and I love free alcohol, especially then because I was broke as hell and I loved drinking, but I had no money for it. So when a bartender friend who was working at this little place on Main Street was like, they have this indie comedy night. I want you to come and do that song of yours that I like. I'm like, not a comedy night. I don't belong. He's like, bourbon, (laughs) bourbon, bourbon for you all night. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And that comedy show was different because the host of that show and the comics were way nicer i don't know why it was different maybe because it wasn't an open mic because it was like a it was a curated night that i just got into because of my bartender friend but 
they were way more supportive and um, encouraged me to try other shows. So, you know, bourbon was sort of the um, the bootstrap in, and then <laughs> the community was the reason I stayed. Yeah, that makes sense. So now you found people, or I guess a community, like you said, where like people will sit down with you and eat fish sticks with you. You're not alone. They want, yeah, they'll share their fish sticks with me. There you go. I think that might be the start of a new song. So <laughs> it's true. You are actually going to be teaching a uh, workshop uh, on comedy songwriting in April. Is that still happening? That is still happening. Yeah, we just, uh, I think we are just solidifying the, um, the list of participants right now. So is there like a particular like core takeaway or something that you want to impress on the students who sign up for this? Because this is comedy songwriting and we've seen people like uh, The Lonely Island, Adam Sandler, a few others like that who kind of do something similar to what you're doing, right? Where they mash in yep. a bunch of jokes over a beat, basically. So mm -hmm. is there like uh, a kind of like a core takeaway or an idea or an element that you want them to take away? Because this is a different type of comedy than doing quote-unquote stand-up comedy. Mm, well, I think ultimately I'm... the. I think the thing I, I'm going to focus a lot on my own process because it's really the only thing I feel qualified to teach um, what works for me, what little tricks and tools, like practical skills. And I'm going to show them all that, but I think the core lesson is that every person needs to figure out their own way of uh, telling uh, jokes in music or being co comedic in music, because there are a lot of different ways to do that. You know, we think of about somebody like Reggie Watts, who is sort of this surrealist musical com comedian improviser um, who does something like nobody else. And that's part of the reason it's so magical is it's so particular to him and uh, brilliant and unique. And so I'm going to encourage all of them to, you know, use what I, I have used as a starting point to see if it works for them. But uh, ultimately it's your own journey and uh, you have to do a lot of trial and error um, before you can find it. So that's, uh, that's going to be the, I think the focus of it. Does that trial and error extend to the process of how you write your songs? Because in traditional stand-up comedy, uh, a comic will work a joke, right? And he'll kind of keep mm. trying different words, uh, try different phrases, move things around. And he has the freedom to do that, right? Because he's just doing verbal, or he or she is just doing verbal stand-up comedy. But when you are mm. when you got a song and you got a tune, you're kind of boxed in or fenced in, I guess, for lack of a better term. So mm. can you, you refine a song as you go along and like as you connect with different audiences or not connect with different audiences and know what's working or not? Or is it just... This is what the song is, you take it or leave it. I think it can be either, to be honest. It depends on how punk rock you want to be about it. Because <laughs> I've done it both ways, you know. I've been like, here's the song, I like it, I don't give a shit if you like it. Which is part <laughs> of the reason why I think sometimes I don't feel like a comedian, because I sometimes don't care if the audience thinks it's funny, and I'm just kind of there to be a chaotic force. Mm -hmm. um, and then other times I will, I will, you know, work on a song... And I will share it with friends and get feedback. I'll share it with uh, other uh, contemporaries, especially now because we don't have live audiences. I'll often send demos to people and be like, what do you think of this? And, and get a professional sort of bit of feedback. And then, you know, when we have audiences again, and when we did have audiences, I would, I would tweak and change songs. And I think I got better at that uh, the more experienced I got because I could figure out, I always knew when something wasn't working, but it was harder to know why just from an audience, right? You're like, okay, well, they didn't laugh at that, but I think it's funny, so what am I missing here? So mm -hmm. that perception has gotten better, so then I do some natural tweaks. But I have often written songs, and they've just sort of 
which is this magical part of music, which is really amazing, where uh, sometimes you work for a year and a half to finish a song, and it's a real slog, and then sometimes it just flies out of you like a really healthy turd in like, you know, five minutes. You're like, there it is, it's done, and you barely have to change it because you just had the concept, it wrote itself, you know, so... It's all over the place. It really depends on the type of comedy song and what you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of ways to approach it. So picking on the thread of different type of comedy songs, the latest EP has a lot of like kind of dance, uh, soft, sensuous type grooves, right? Mm -hmm. You've done some country stuff before, a similar type of yeah. country song. As part of your process, like, are you trying to work in different genres, like, on purpose? Or is it just this is the way that the song comes out, and it's like, this has got to be a nice, mellow, smooth groove, and this one's a country mm. one? Like, are you picking and choosing consciously or unconsciously? Um. Well, I mean, as much as you get the idea unconsciously, I, I knew that what I wanted to do when I did this EP was focus it on the style of these like in the 90s and 80s and 90s, they had these compilation albums of like romantic music or, or sexy music. Um, sometimes I'd sell them on TV, you know, the Bump and Grind, Volume 1, 2, 3, I think. Um, I wanted to model it after that. So I knew going in that I wanted it to be a mood setter kind of a style. And then that was sort of my jumping off point. So from that, yeah, I kind of knew that the genres are going to be like a little bit of cheesy soft rock, a little bit of R&B, you know, something contemporary, uh, and 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 see what what happened, and then work with what uh, kind of work with what was uh, move forward with what was working better. Uh, but sometimes, and especially because I've gotten better at songwriting too. I've got, <laughs> when I started, I did a lot more country, uh, and I love country music, but I only really knew like three or four chords, and that's all you really need to write country music. So mm. that's where I started. And then as my ability to be musical expanded, then I was able to write in other genres. And, uh, and I was also nervous because I had stamped myself so much with the brand of being a country singer. I was a little bit nervous about trying other genres. So I did it really slowly and experimentally to see how people would react. And people were really loving the pop music element of it. So that gave me a bit more confidence to expand my creativity a bit. And so now when I get ideas, it can be, you know, it can be all over the board, uh, and I am certainly open to trying different genres in the future as well. Yeah, you're an advantage because you can actually sing like well, right? <laughs> Whereas like sometimes like uh, I'm thinking of like Lonely Island guys, right? Like they tend to do a lot more rap and stuff like that because they're not necessarily proficient in singing, right? No, they're not. They're not divas that can do vocal runs and whatnot, and yes. that's fine too. I mean, you got to work with what you got, right? And mm -hmm. yeah, I do have a, as it turns out, a fairly versatile voice so yeah, yeah uh, i have uh, you got to use everything that you can i suppose to stand out getting it. yeah so mm. each, each of your albums are named after a pun what kind of <laughs> pun kind of title is uh decoxification this is the new album or a new ep i guess yeah that was that was the uh, yeah so the ep that just came out is quantity time and then One the time. album before that's decoxification and decoxification is a line out of one of the the eggplant emoji song um I, I called it that because while I was writing this album in my personal life, uh, which I go into detail on the song Explant Emoji, um, I had decided I needed to kind of reset myself in terms of my relationships romantically, sexually, uh, because I had kind of gotten into an unhealthy place where my standards had lowered without me noticing very slowly. I had just started putting up with more and more stuff 
um, that it, I didn't actually think was okay. And once I had the realization, I was like, okay, no more dating, no more sex, uh, no more romance. Like, I just want to be by myself and and figure out what's going on. And so I called that process detoxification because <laughs> I only, at this point in my life, I've only had sex with cisgendered heterosexual dudes. Uh, they all have penises, and uh, penises are a big part of my sex life and a big part of the problem. So I wanted to uh, get rid of the sort of toxic elements of my dating life. Uh, so there you go, decoxifying. And that's why I called it that. It's basically like Febreze on your love life. I've totally Febreze the couch of my love life. Okay. <laughs> I follow what you're saying. And then Yeah, you got it. And then the new sorry, the new EP is uh Quantity Time. Mm-hmm. Which is I guess about how much quantity time we've had lately. Yeah, so I wanted to ask about this the the three songs on it, um like I know previous like when I was mentioning too, like some of your earlier stuff was like country music, but also I found that some of your other stuff was a little bit more, I guess, X-rated. Uh, you have, like, you want to move to Australia because you can say the C word, for example. Song. Great. So would you say for this EP that it's it's a little bit more mellow or not quite as X-rated, even though there is, like, I know, a sentient dildo at the end of it? <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I'm definitely tipping my hat to how explicit uh, my career originally began. Funnily enough, when the pandemic started and I was real bored i made a graph of all of the swears from all of the albums i'd released <laughs> to sort of chart how explicit uh i had been because i you know i think because i'm partly because i'm a woman and partly because i have focused a lot on sex and relationships i often get either for better or for worse uh like marked as a dirty comic or a foul mouthed or or even potty mouthed you know like this kind of <laughs> way of describing it and i was like is it really like i don't know if i'm swearing more or less than anybody else i think i'm just talking about taboo subjects so i charted that and and it has declined for sure in the last few years but i still talk about sexuality and uh taboo things that uh we experience but i think it's just the language has maybe shifted and the tone of the music has maybe shifted as well. So it's, it's interesting like how that's perceived differently. Um, and, and just how people react to just like, who, who you said dirty word and like what, what that flavor is in the grand scheme of, of, uh, of comedy and then of what I'm doing. So, yeah, I think it's a, uh, I actually, you know, I have not gone in to Quantity Time and checked how many swears there are, but I think that, I think like a couple of the songs don't have an explicit rating on them, and I didn't do that on purpose. I actually saw it listed on Spotify, and I was like, oh, would you look at that? Because I didn't do that submitting, and I didn't look over my lyrics and go, does this have a fuck in it, and does this have a cock in it? Like, I don't do that. It's never really intentional in that way. Yeah, it's more, they're very um, subtle, very like ninja attacks, right? Because... (laughs) Like, obviously, the song called Sentient Dildo, so you know up front what you're getting into. but Right off the bat. Right off the bat. But for the most part, if I just put that on at a party or, like, at work or something, it would take people a little while for them to, like, kind of catch on to what's happening. Backyard, <laughs> uh, backyard is about, like, jerking off. They are not quite mellowed out, but they're a lot more... Um, they fly under the radar, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, that make, that's a, that is a... Interesting observation, and I I do feel like 
yeah, it's it's just like a again, it's like a flavor, and I would just like, am I using more or less of it? Sometimes it, I am. Sometimes I'm not. It really just depends on what the song is calling for. But uh, yeah, you know, when we were, I was, I tried not to give my song titles the the punchline. I used to do that when I started, and I realized, oh, I'm just giving away the joke <laughs> right off the top when I introduced the song. So when with sentient dildo, I was like thinking of all these other clever titles, but nothing really worked, you know. And I, I ran it over with my producer Kevy. I was like, what about if I called it this or that? And he's like. The song is called Sentient Dildo. You just say Sentient Dildo over and over again in the chorus. That's, and I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> That's what it's called. So, yeah. I know it sounds obvious, but can you explain a little bit of what uh, the song is or what a Sentient Dildo is? <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> I'm going to let well, you do you the know, heavy lifting on this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, in, you know, it's a pandemic song in that... Um, it's, it's a, it's really a song about isolation and, um, you know, and, and it's a song for uh, single people, uh, about, uh, the idea is that you're, you're totally trapped. You can't date. It's not safe to date, but you know, the weather's bad. You can't go to the park and try to meet somebody. Online dating is a drag anyway. It's, it's even harder now. And, and, uh, you know, everything is just too risky. So you're at home. You're using your various tools to get yourself to a place of gratification so you can stay sane and happy. And then, in a way, it's a little bit like um, a little bit of like a of a, a mental breakdown where you think your sex toy is talking to you, and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. But um, the twist of the song is that the the sex toy then becomes really clingy and like wants to move the relationship forward, which is super awkward because it's not a real person. And then you have to break up with the dildo. So that's what the song is about. And it's totally stupid, but I I like to tell people it's the only one that's true. It's kind of like a a Pinocchio of uh, the sex toy version of Pinocchio. Sure. A Pygmalion or one of those classic myths. Yes, exactly. And what about the actual uh, song quantity time? Uh, what is that? I know again the title, but what is that one about? Because there, there's like it's interesting the themes and things that you're focusing on during the pandemic as people kind of endure these lockdowns. Yes, well, quantity time I think was the reflection more of um, what I was hearing uh, from my friends and what I was reading about even in the news about the strain of the pandemic on relationships, particularly of people who live together. So the song is a collection of little motifs of what it's it's like to spend so much time with your partner if before perhaps you had a balance of, you know, your work or your, uh, your extracurriculars, your, uh, your other things that you did outside of your relationship. Um, and then suddenly you're spending 24 seven with this person. You're like, Oh my God. (laughs) And I've gone on a lot of tours, you know, and I've been in a van with people 24 seven, you know, like where you can't escape them. And so I, (laughs) I was like, you know, because I live alone, so I wasn't having those experiences myself, but I could relate to it in terms of what too much of a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It can uh, can drive you crazy. And so many of my friends were talking about like, oh, my God, this happened today, and oh, my God, I'm going to kill him. And I'm like, this is perfect for an 80s duet. This is exactly, this is exactly what I want to do, and it really was easy to do. Yeah, it's weird with the with the lockdowns and stuff like that the spectrum seems to either like divorce or having a baby. Like there doesn't really seem to be a lot of middle ground in terms of like couples and who are either married or like living together. So true. It's so true. It like the divorce rates and breakups went way up. And, um, also, um, puppies, 
No, puppy yeah, adoption puppies. went way up too. Yeah, if you couldn't have a baby, you can always get a puppy. I think those exactly. Are the, you know, depending on your circumstances, but yeah, it's definitely like we either got to break up or bring some other living being into this situation, or I'm going to murder you. <laughs> right, because we run out of small talk. That's the other problem, right? So. Oh yeah, the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I've I've stopped actually for most of February going on Facebook, just because nobody posts anything good anymore because they don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. My friend actually, he said, my friend Matt put it that we've run out of plot points. Yeah. Like we're not experiencing any plot anymore. Yeah. We're just sort of hanging out. So yeah, of course. Yeah, like nobody's <laughs> run to a celebrity. About. Nobody's like found twenty dollars. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's like, oh, I went to this bar and I was this crazy, and then all of a sudden the Rolling Stones showed up. Like you don't get any these stories anymore. So it's just nope. like. What did you do today? I like uh, I worked online for a couple of hours and I took a nap. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I watched some TV. Mm-hmm. I had some food. Yep. <laughs> yes. So, are you finding this time like good in terms of like working on new material? You've kind of alluded to it, but are you writing a lot more or recording a lot more? I have gone through a gamut of emotions over the last year in terms of my creativity. So, where I'm at now, um, having just released this EP, uh, that feels really good. So I, I like to take moments to just sort of appreciate uh, the work that's been done. And, uh, and I, I've been more creative in terms of making videos for songs I've already written uh, to put on TikTok so I can try and get uh, more audiences to go and, and listen to the songs and maybe, God forbid, buy the albums. Um, so that's been my focus. So it's a little mix of new and a mix of old. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know what's going to happen next, uh, what the next step will be, but I know that I really liked doing a small concept EP like that, where it was just like sort of one theme for four songs. So I think I'd like to do that again, and uh, I don't know what that will be, but, you know, eventually if I, if I don't think about it, it just falls into my head. So uh, I've been making the videos and also doing other hobbies and that sort of thing and just giving it a bit of space to breathe, which has been really nice. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned TikTok a couple of times. Where can people find you online uh, to talk about uh, government love and sentient dildos and eggplant emojis? <laughs> and more. Uh, you can find me at Shirley Gnome on pretty much everything. Shirley Gnome on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Those are the four big ones, I think. And then uh, Decoxification and Quantity Time are both streaming online on all the streaming sites and there's links to that at all my social media and at my website surelygnome.com there we go all right uh thank you we covered quite a bit we covered that people have run out of plot points uh (laughs) during the pandemic we talked about the fact that uh people are are wearing pants or not wearing pants uh down with pants hopefully and uh (laughs) The the album is uh, detox, Decoxification, and the EP is Quantity Time, and both are out now. The usual spots, I suppose, right? That's right. All right. I think we covered quite a bit. Uh, thank you so much for, like, hanging out and uh, putting some quarters into the swear jar. I appreciate that. That was fun. <laughs> My pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the chat. Appreciate it. That was fun. Yo, that was Shirley Gnome. I'm Sammy Yunan, and this is my summer lair. As I said, Shirley's latest EP is Quantity Time. Four simple, playful, smooth tracks. Quantity Time, Government Love, My Backyard, 
And the song I'm going to leave you with, Sentient Dildo. Before this episode, did you know what a sentient dildo was? Let me know at My Summer Lair for all three. Facebook, IG, and Twitter. My Summer Lair. Did you know what a sentient dildo was before this interview? That's the question. All right, here's the song, Sentient Dildo. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me in a Netflix world. to stay in When will I get to make sweet safe love again Why I can't have the real thing This'll have to do Six inches long and seven speeds to get me through But I hear a voice talking to me late at night And I wake up fast, turning on the light Something magical is happening My sex toy is talking to me Standing a dildo My dildo has come to life Standing a dildo Talking to me Physically it is unable to leave It's a big phallus to cry on And I can rely on it This inexplicably conscious sex toy that I bought online But then it rolls over till me late at night And it says it's been thinking that it's time To deepen the relationship Wants me to seriously commit Us and you do Please. 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 Please.